0: Hello, Four Star Nation, and welcome to a special Thursday. I'm sorry. Uh yeah, Thursday night interview. Tonight we have a very special guest. Uh you've seen him on SEC Network. You've seen him on ESPN as well. Mr. Cole Kubelik joins the show. Cole, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Hey man, I appreciate you guys having me. Good to be with you. Uh Cole, first question will be for me. Um, when you look at the state of college football today, obviously you played at Auburn back in the day and the game is evolved quite probably a good bit since then when you look at the transfer portal specifically how do you think that the transfer portal is going to affect college football moving forward
1: uh, i think roster management becomes one of the most important aspects for any head coach and his staff and and that means probably re-recruiting your roster on a daily basis um I think you're going to see more and more employees at universities, more and more coaches on staffs, basically be assigned to the portal. And that will most likely not just being able to sit there and click refresh and know a guy that just went in, but obviously have enough connections, have conversations and know who you think is going to be able to go in and have an idea of what to expect when somebody does go in so you can be one of the first guys to call them. I mean, you talk to JT Daniels, he'll tell you one of the reasons he went to Georgia's as soon as he hit the portal, Kirby was the first guy that was on the phone and called him. So I, those kind of things mean a lot to athletes. I think it's, um, it obviously is going to help change some rosters. I mean, you bring in you bring in guys that have experience. They understand the speed. They understand the physicality. They understand the schedule. They, they know everything that it takes to be a college football player, and they've been in games. That's obviously something that, that that's going to be important. Um, really, I think managing people <clears> – <throat> with the portal with what name image likeness is going to bring and with what college football just already is guys being able to leave early to go to the draft guys can enter early as recruits be it December we just saw a Texas recruit today said he ain't going to high school his senior year I mean so how do you manage that I mean you're going to bring him in year early you're going to make him wait it's just managing people is becoming critical for college football coaches and you know the portal giveth but the portal taketh away at the same time so you can go get a guy, and it, it, and it helps you, and it makes you better, and you can upgrade your talent and your experience. It helps your depth chart, but you can lose a couple guys in a hurry. I mean, I feel like Nebraska lost three receivers in one week earlier this offseason. So, I mean, all of a sudden, your depth chart has, has taken a massive blow. So, I think I think it changes a lot, really and truly. Um, the possibilities can be great. They can be bad. They can be detrimental. But it's just it's going to force you – to have to be an ace at managing people and your roster. Because if you can't do that, then you're going to find yourself in some sort of a predicament at some point in the season, because you don't have a guy to fill in or you don't have enough talent at a certain spot to be able to go out and win football games.
0: Great point. Uh, Christian, go ahead. Yeah, Cole. um,
2: We've seen, we see four, we're going to see four new coaches in the SEC this, uh, this coming season, Vandy, South Carolina, Auburn, and Tennessee, um, technically Arkansas, Sam Pittman—they uh, restructured his contract to where this is his first year, technically. Um, but out of those four, uh, those five uh, schools, which coach do you think will succeed the most in the SEC this year?
1: Well, I think if you're just talking success, and I, I mean, I've, 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 I've had this discussion a few times. I think a lot of it really is based on context. Um, if you're talking just success as far as wins, then I would say Brian Harson because he has the best roster. And I don't think he has a roster that Auburn has had in recent memory or a roster on par with Alabama, AM, Georgia, or LSU. But of those schools, I do think he has the most talent. I mean, you got a guy in Tank Bigsby that you'll be able to ride. Uh, I think they're going to have a pretty good defensive line. You've got a really good group of linebackers. The secondary now has a lot of talent with what they've added through the portal and what they have returning. And you got a quarterback that's got game experience. I mean, Bo Nix needs to progress. He needs to accept coaching. He needs to improve. But has played big-time college football. I mean, he knows what it's like. He knows what it is. And I think he's got enough quarterback brainpower on that staff between himself, between Mike Bobo and his former coordinator at Boise as an analyst to be able to help develop that position. Um, you know, I, I don't really know what to expect in Tennessee. I, I think that the scheme – I think the offense is going to provide opportunity. And that's going to make a lot of Tennessee fans happy because you're going to get more explosive plays than you've had in a long time. You're going to get the opportunity for explosive plays, you're going to get the threat to go downfield, and you're going to get points on the board. I I just don't know if the roster is where it needs to be for them to be competitive week in and week out. Um you know, I mean I I, I think that they're going to get Bowling Green week 1. I mean, Pitt's got Cody Pickett coming back. He's a 6-year starter. Um you know, Jake Bentley's going to be a starter at South Alabama. Some of those other games that they play, not not in the SEC, could be a little bit tricky and a little bit difficult. There's not a ton of dudes on that Tennessee defense that really scare you. And with where offense is headed in the SEC in college football, I, that, that's pretty dangerous. Um, you know, right. I, I think I think Clark Lee is, is taking on a very difficult job. Uh, obviously, Vanderbilt didn't win a football game last year. And you look Keon Henry Brooks at tailback, who I, I thought was poised to have a breakout season. He was a little banged up. Missed some time last year. When he was playing, he showed you some signs of being great. Um, then you lose a couple of linebackers. Your best defensive lineman goes to the draft, and then Donovan Kaufman says he's going to go to the portal, and he's out, which I thought that was your best player on defense returning. So he has had massive, massive hits in the portal. And, I mean, I, I, he, he's got a quarterback in Ken Seals who I really like. I think he throws a beautiful ball. I think he's got a good arm. I think he's got a good quarterback pedigree. But – I don't know if he's going to have enough time to truly operate. I don't even know what the, what the system's really going to look like, offense, defense. But I think Clark Lee knows what he's getting himself into. I like that he's put together a creative staff and he's going a different direction with some of his guys. It's just I, I don't think he's got the dudes to realistically be able to compete on a regular basis. So, I mean, if, if I'm just picking the new guys there, I mean, I, if there's one that will probably surprise people the most, and he may not have more wins than Brian Harson does, I, I think Shane Beamer's got a chance to exceed expectations. Um, that defensive line is going to be pretty good. Um, you know, you got Jordan Bentley and a couple high-profile recruits. Kingsley and Barry's going to be one of the better edge defenders in this league. There's depth up front, even though they lost a guy like Keir Thomas to the portal. And I think on offense, you know you got a tailback that you can just turn and hand the ball to 25, 35 times a game with Kevin Harris. You got a really nice tight end room. And I think you have some talent at quarterback, even though it doesn't have a ton of experience. So I think Coach Beaver's got just enough guys where they can coach them up a little bit and utilize their scheme to, to be problematic. But they might be – they'll probably be the surprise team out of that group. But if you're talking success as far as wins and losses, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to go with Brian Harson at Auburn.
3: Okay. Yeah, Cole, um – I asked the hard hitting questions around here. <laughs> what game excites you the most this season and why is it Memphis versus Mississippi state? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I love, I love that matchup for a couple of reasons. I'm a big Ryan Silverfield fan and obviously they're going to lose a lot. You know, Brady White had an amazing career Um. You know, you you had you had a running back who I thought was going to go a lot earlier in the draft that that opted out and I thought could have made that team very different last year. So he's already dealt with some adversity. But I like the way that that thing was built. I like the way that he's handled things. And I'll be interested to see a group that that has that kind of physicality because I know it's going to be in their DNA. That's how Ryan's going to build them going up against a really good defense last year Mississippi State. People don't really talk much about Zach Arnett and what he did with that defense. However, there's a lot coming back, but you lose Kobe Jones, you lose Errol Thompson, and you lose Marquis Spencer. Those guys were not just productive defensively. Those guys were the leaders of that football team. So I I don't know how much difference that's going to make, and and I don't know if that defense will be on par with what it was a year ago, but they'll give you everything. I I love the scheme that Memphis runs. I like the talent that's in place. I like the way Coach Silverfield manages his team. And then you got some young guys on offense. I mean, when you plugged in freshman quarterback, freshman tailback, freshman receiver late in the year, all of a sudden that air raid began to take off a little bit. So I would anticipate Will Rogers and company uh, will probably have a better grasp from start to finish on what that offense is supposed to look like. The big question for me is, can Mississippi State figure out their offensive line? Um, you know, Charles Cross got a ton of talent, but I thought that they they sort of managed things in a way that they got away with in the past that you're just not going to be able to get away with in the SEC. Pretty wide splits, leaving guys on an island, and maybe some elongated pass drops that just you're not going to be able to hold up against guys in this league. So, if they adjust that, then I think it could be really interesting to see what State does on offense. The other one would be Georgia Clemson, but I'll, I'll ride with yours if you need me to do that. <laughs>
3: No, Uh, I don't I don't need you to. Uh, I I agree with everything you said. Mike Leach is a very interesting coach when it comes to the SEC because we've never really seen the air raid in the SEC Um, at this at uh, at where it stands right now. I really think that, like you said, Memphis did lose a lot. Uh, We've had Coach Silverfield on the show. He's a friend of the show. He's a great guy and an even better football coach. I'm really excited to see where he takes Memphis as far as um, he can. Uh, He inherited a very, very good program from Mike Norvell, but uh, I'm ready to see what he can do as a coach himself with no COVID, with a full spring practice, with all summer drills, everything like that. But back to Mike Leach. Do you think, and I'm sure you've talked to him and everything like that, is he the most interesting football coach you've ever met?
1: Probably, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's really any question about it. Um, just with some of the different directions that you go when you sit down and talk to him, be it food, be it aliens, be it you know football, be it anything, dogs. I mean, he, he just. All of a sudden, things can take a left turn and you're you're on the middle of nowhere and you really don't know how you got there. So and then obviously just the fact that, that he runs that offense the way that he does. And, and it's pretty effective. So there are a lot of things about Mike Leach that make him interesting. If, if you're know, we looking for a head coach to be the next Dosa keys uh, frontman, uh, I think Mike Leach would probably be that guy's the most interesting man in the world
0: for sure. Uh, Most definitely. Uh, Cole, when you look at uh, college football on the national landscape, not just specifically the SEC, uh, of course you've got your Blue Bloods, Clemson, uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma, you know, others. Give us a school on a national level this upcoming season that we need to keep an eye out for uh, that can make a little run similar to like the way Notre Dame did
1: uh, this past season. You're, You're already hearing about it, but it's, it's Iowa State. And you bring back a quarterback with a ton of experience in Brock Purdy. You bring back a really good group of tight ends led by Charlie Kolar, who probably could have been drafted, um, I would say, at worst, late in the second round. Uh, He'll be back. Brees Hall, for the second half of the season, may have been second, third best running back in college football behind Najee Harris and ATN, and not a lot of people know who he is. Super dynamic, um, explosive, and – you really lose one starter on defense. Now, it's their best pass rusher that's gone on defense, but you get everybody back. So, and, and I think you actually get a couple of bonus offensive linemen because they had a couple of guys banged up. They lost their best guard in the Louisiana game last year. You'll get him back. So, you got actually multiple starters that could actually fill in at some point if you needed them to. And you just got a heck of a coach in Matt Campbell. Uh, the Big 12 a little bit down right now. You know, we kind of thought Baylor was on the uptick with Matt Rule. That thing hadn't really shaken out. Um, you know, it, I like Dave Aranda a lot, but it, it didn't look great last year. And now Charlie Brewer transfers out, and he's going to be at Utah. So that thing doesn't look like where it was. Uh, the offensive production gone in Stillwater is going to be massive. I believe in Chris Kleinman, but I think it's going to take him a little bit to get Kansas State going the right way. Kansas is a complete mess. Um, I do think Lance Leopold was a really nice hire but it doesn't mean that the roster and the state of the program is is not um, in a complete wasteland right now, which I believe that it is. So I think that there's – there are a lot of wins there for the taking in that conference. You know, Texas people say Texas is back and Texas will challenge Oklahoma. I I, I love Coach Sark and Kyle Flood and that staff and Taylor Searles and the guy that they brought in. But I I just – I don't think that they're ready to make that run right now. I think it's Oklahoma and Iowa State – and Iowa State's got the confidence. I mean, they've knocked off Oklahoma a couple times the last few years, so it's not that they think they could do it. they got, they got guys on that team that have done it. And all it's going to take is a split for them to be in the conversation. And, you know, they, they, they've they got a non-conference game early on that will help out that resume a little bit. So, Iowa State's the team, but people are already talking about it. I mean, that that's their team that a lot of folks are saying, you know, hey, they could be in the top five. I'd probably have them in my top five going into the season, to be honest with you. So, uh, I think if there was one out there, that that would probably be the one that I would take.
0: Uh, Cole, speaking of Iowa State, uh, I saw a thing today that uh, Matt Campbell turned down was a $68 million uh, contract from the Lions, uh, supposedly. But let me ask you this. What is it about Ames, Iowa that has Matt Campbell just so enthralled to be there?
1: I think Matt Campbell knows he can be selective for wherever he wants to go next. And I, I don't know if it's just Ames. I, I do think he's comfortable. I do think he likes it. I, I, I think Matt Campbell has an understanding that if, if I just keep jumping jobs, then I'm not really truly ever going to get to where I want to go. Um, you know, He's a commitment guy, and he's made a commitment to that university and those players. I think he wants to try to finish it out. It's not like he's not making good money now, and I'm not saying that that's not better money. Um, I think a jump to the NFL would have to be exactly what he wanted, exactly where he wanted, because I don't think he looks at himself as a guy that just has to get to the NFL. He loves coaching college kids. He likes developing kids. I had a chance to call their game against Louisiana last year. I had a chance to be around him. I was thoroughly impressed. Um, I just think he, I think he knows he's kind of got things going right now. And I think he's kind of a – I mean, I think by nature he's a little bit of an underdog. And so he he likes the fact that people continuously doubt him. He likes the, the kind of players that he gets and has to develop them and work them in to being better than maybe what a lot of people thought they could be. And it's just a fit. It fits him right now. It doesn't it, it, I mean it's going to fit him forever, but it fits him right now. And he's not a guy that's just going to go grab cash and just run for run for the bank account. That's, that's not Matt Campbell.
0: Go ahead, Christian.
2: Speaking of Texas that you mentioned earlier, you, you know, Arkansas plays them uh, week two this year. I'm a Arkansas guy. Um, you know, Sam Pittman broke the SEC losing streak for Arkansas last year, winning three games. And showed that program showed some signs of, you know, real improvement. What kind of year two do you think Arkansas is poised to have? And how big is that week two game uh, against the former Southwest Conference rival, you know, it's a big game for – I think it's a big game for both schools.
1: Oh, absolutely, because if Texas drops that game, they're not getting back in the conversation, I don't think. Because even if Arkansas has a good year, we're not talking about a nine- or ten-win team. They, they, just, they don't have the horses to be able to do that yet, uh, not not playing in the West. But if, if Arkansas wins that game, I mean, now all of a sudden, our perception of Sam Pittman and that program are are going to take gigantic leaps. Sam's incredible. I love him. He's an amazing guy. He's an amazing coach. I was so glad he got the opportunity. And he exceeded everybody's expectations last year because that easily could have been five wins. And I think when when you're going through a rebuild, you do credit a guy with being competitive, especially when your predecessor was not very competitive very often. And that's not just saying wins and losses. That's being in games. And so, you know, to be where they were with Auburn, to be where they were with a couple of other teams – um, I think you have to look at that and build that into what was part of them being successful last year. I think they'll miss Felipe Franks. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I mean, I think they're going to miss Richardson and Noseguard. I thought he was one of the most underrated defensive linemen in college football last year, definitely in the SEC. He made a lot go, but the good news is you have arguably the brightest offensive mind in college football coming back and Kendall Brown's calling the plays. And you got Barry Odom and Michael Shearer and those guys on defense who came up with fantastic plans week after week after week to give a team that didn't really have the numbers and was maybe down a little bit of talent the opportunity to stay in games. So they will be one of the best coach teams in the SEC. I have zero doubt about that. The staff is phenomenal. Sam lets his guys coach. He knows how to put them in a position to be successful. They just need a couple more recruiting cycles, and they need the portal to be nice to them. And – you're seeing a little bit of that so far. Um, I love Traylon Burks. Um, I think I, I'm not taking anybody ahead of him as far as receivers in college football going into this year. I know there's a few guys that may be drafted ahead of him that other people like, but I don't know if those dudes are out there killing hogs with their bare hands uh, in the woods. So, I mean, I'm taking Traylon Burks on my team first. So, they got a couple dudes. I mean, I hated to see him lose Mike. Um, I, I thought that really could have helped out to have sort of that one-two punch on opposite sides. But I think they'll be fine at tailback. I think the offensive line will be a little bit better. They're going to be solid at linebacker in the secondary. they got to get some O-linemen, D-linemen. And if they can do that, I think, and K.J. Jefferson just plays plays ample football, doesn't turn the ball over, manages the offense the way Kendall wants him to, they'll continue to surprise some people. And if they get that game against Texas, I mean, hell, that's all they need. I think Arkansas fans are pretty damn happy if oh, yeah. you get that one. I mean, that's 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 about good enough.
2: Right. That and LSU. Okay. Yeah. Good point.
0: Yeah. Four-star sports show. Uh, we are joined by Cole Kubileck from ESPN and SEC Network tonight. Uh, we are presented by BA Masks for the future in uh, face mask between baseball, uh, football, lacrosse. Visit bamask.com for more. High quality, high precision, high, high, just beautiful mask. The, They're using the in the pros. The NFL is using it right now. Um, great mask, BAMask.com. Go ahead, Brandon.
3: Cole, you had an interesting take on Twitter the other day. Um, you said that spring football should – or uh, FCS football should be played in the spring. You got a little backlash from it from bar, the Barstool Sports guys tonight. <laughs> tonight. I saw that. I'm a big stoolie, so uh, I follow that. But initially, I did not want spring football um, as far as FCS teams. I figured they belonged in the fall. But when you said that the FBS teams could bring in a pay game for their spring game as an uh, a kind of an exhibition, I saw that on Twitter, kind of got me thinking. I was like, I agree with that 200%. I'd rather watch. Uh, you know uh, like as I said earlier, I'm a Memphis fan. I'd rather watch Memphis play UT Martin than play each other in the spring game. I think there's more value out of that. I think uh, fans would enjoy it more because I mean it, you got to think about it. I know we're in the middle uh, somewhat in uh, in the middle of the pandemic now. Uh, we're on the tail end of it. Not many people show up to spring games. Now, I was very impressed with the crowd at the University of Memphis spring game. Uh for what it what it, what it's worth, there might have been 7,000 people there. It was really cool. But if you bring a real team in here, like I said, like a UT Martin or a Austin P, or hell, same Houston State who just won the national championship, that's going to draw fans. And it's a real football game at that point. So I I you that argument right there you put out on Twitter completely changed my mind on the,
1: on the fact of it. Oh, and I, The other side that I would probably pitch first would be that the FCS teams could have their spring practice as we know it now in the fall in August, and then their spring game could actually open seasons for FBS teams. So you would still play, florida state memphis auburn texas oklahoma florida and get 750 850 1.2 million whatever it was and it's an actual game for those fbs teams in the fall and then you play your one game and then you're done until you come back and play in the spring honestly the, the, the thing that that scares me the most and it's i didn't i mean I didn't really – Brandon and Casey and those guys handled it extremely well. That didn't bother me at all. I thought it was, I mean, a fair conversation on their end. They gave their opinion. I gave mine. I had no issue with that. Um, a lot of the North Dakota State fans don't like it. And, you know, they've, they've been pretty vocal about how I don't know anything about football and how I'm just flat-out dumb and it's a terrible take. And I've actually talked to a lot of people about it. I put a lot of thought into it. i talked to administrators, players, and coaches at multiple schools. Not all of them are for it. Some of them are 100% against it. But football belongs in the fall is a prehistoric mindset. That is a dinosaur thought process. We know what happened to the dinosaurs. My opinion is that the FBS, that train is leaving the station. And if you look at Stanford's schedule this year, not only do they not play an FCS team, they don't play a group of five team this year. They play all power five opponents. Uh, You look at what Georgia's going to do in 27, 28, 29, 30. I mean, I think they got Oklahoma and Ohio State the same year or Florida State, Oklahoma the same year. They got Ohio State. They got Clemson. They got Oklahoma. They got Florida State. That's on top of playing Georgia Tech as a non-conference game. When this playoff expands, nobody's going to want FCS games anymore because you're going to be able to lose two or three games and still be in the conversation to potentially get into the playoffs. So my question would be, what are you going to do when those games do go away? When that train continues to pull away, or just the Power Five says, you know what, we're done, man. We, we got this revenue wheel of, let's just say, $2 billion. Now I know we're only sharing 10% of it or 20% of it, and that's not a big percentage, but that's a big number when you're talking about 10 20% of $2 billion. Why are we giving it to these teams that have nothing to do with deciding our national championship and don't push our ratings and don't put fans in our stands? I think Mm -hmm. at some point in time, you're going to get pretty close to that. Maybe not completely, but you're going to get closer to that than you are adding more FCS opponents to power five teams. So why are you waiting around to to continue to collect those checks when you can get out in front of this, be a forward thinker, and try to generate some of your own money? I believe that attendance – now, not again, not for North Dakota State because North Dakota State's attendance isn't going up at any point in the year because they sell out every game. So that's not a real part of this conversation. But I think Jacksonville State and Sanford and Nichols State and Northeastern State and Sam Houston State and Kennesaw State and Mercer and Wofford, I think if they played in the spring, all of a sudden Clemson and South Carolina fans and Auburn and Alabama fans and LSU fans, they might actually go to those games because they ain't going to do it when those other teams are playing. I mean, nobody's going to a Lamar game when a and playing. There's not. I mean, I just and and I've talked to administrators that have said that they know good and well they have students that are making that decision. Are we going to Tuscaloosa? Are we going to Auburn? Or are we going to Jacksonville? Or are we going to Birmingham to Sanford? Are we going to Alabama A and M to watch the game? I mean, you guys know what that is, and you guys know how that works. So if if you bumped it up by three, four, five thousand per game, all of a sudden I don't know if you need that pay game. And I do believe that some sort of media rights package could be put in place for the FCS because there's a spot for spring football. I was watching the spring league tonight on FS1. I was doing XFL games a year ago. We were averaging over a million viewers a game. There's an appetite for it. You can't just go back and look at one set of ratings from a COVID year when things were shifted as quickly as they were and people's viewing habits have not changed. They will change over time. That will come with that. And I think geographically what's already been put in place – And from the standpoint that you have alumni and fans and friends and and you've actually heard of those schools for your entire lives is going to make people more likely to invest in those. You're invested in it even if you don't know it. Like, I'm invested in Samford and Jacksonville State and Alabama A&M and Alabama State just because I know about them. And I know people that went there. And I watched them and I heard about them growing up. Like, I know what the Magic City Classic is. I've been to that game. I know what that game means. I didn't go to school there, but I know about it. If Birmingham brings an expansion XFL team, like, uh, you know, the Birmingham Legos, am I invested in that? Hell no. I, I, I don't know anything about it other than you got a football team in my backyard. Okay, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. Uh, geographically and from the relationship standpoint and the wherewithal and the know about – I think, that, I think that what you would already have in place for some of those schools could generate some more fans. The NFL discussion is the same thing as the North Dakota State discussion. You can't take 1%, 2% of your entity and not make a decision that could benefit you for 20, 40, 50 years. And I think that's what they're doing by saying, well, what about the NFL guys? The NFL guys can't train. There's been 11 FCS players drafted the last two years. Normal years, you're getting between 10 and 20. Is that going to shut a season down? No. It's not. There was and I, I had guys tweet me back. We had FCS players they they sat out this year to get ready for the draft. And give me one person who said I'm not watching that team play because that kid sat out. Exactly. There's there's not one. There isn't. Yeah. Life will life will continue. FCS coaches will leave to go to the FBS. But you know what? Multiple FCS schools had multiple coaches go to the FBS weeks before they started the season. Guess what happened? They played a season. They made it work. They figured it out. So I would figure out ways to generate money on my own, as opposed to be relying on teams that I knew in the back of my mind. You can lie to yourself all you want. You know damn well those schools are pulling out. That's that that train's leaving the station at some point in time. So if you want to sit and wait till it's gone, and then not know what to do, go for it. But to sit there and sit there and pretend like you're on the same level with FBS and everything is going to be hunky-dory. When was the last time we talked about exponential growth in the FCS? I can't answer that because I have no idea. So maybe try to shoot for that. Maybe try to raise your fan bases. Maybe try to generate more interest. Maybe try to do something different that can help your entity become more valuable as opposed to sitting there and waiting to see if it might work 20, 30 years from now.
3: That's a great point. That was Uh, awesome. Yeah, it was.
0: Oh, let me ask you this. Uh, I heard a stat today uh, on SiriusXM that said this name, image, likeness deal that the SEC uh, gives each school roughly $45 million a year. And then with this name, image, and likeness that they would get an additional $25 million. Uh, where do you see this name, image, likeness thing going? Do you see it being just a complete catastrophe or
1: I don't think it's going to be a catastrophe because it's going to bring opportunity for, for young men. Um, I don't think the S- the SEC is not going to offset anything for name, image, and likeness, the, the money that they plugged back in based on future revenue. That's coming from the ESPN deal, switching over from CBS. That was just a one off because of COVID and they had the wherewithal to do it. And that revenue is guaranteed to be coming in the next few years. So they could go ahead and cut that check. Uh, yes. But the SEC will benefit greatly from it because you know the one thing that, that frustrates me about name, image, likeness is you got a lot of people that are either they want to pay the players or you know this free enterprise, this open market, this wild, wild west. Let them earn. Oh, it's, uh it's it's free labor, How, whatever it is. First off, it's never going to be enough. I This ain't going to end with name, image, likeness. So for everybody who thinks that oh, if we can just let the dust settle on this, we'll we'll be we'll be good and we can go back to football as we know it. No, you're wrong. It won't be that. Next up is going to be pay for play. Next up is going to be insurance. Next, up, it's, it's not going to stop. It just isn't. It's not going to stop. Now, do I think there's, there's a lot of legitimacy to a college baseball player at LSU being able to go get $1,000 to work a baseball camp somewhere? Yes. Do I think a swimmer at Auburn should be able to get $50 an hour to coach private swim lessons? Absolutely. Do I think that there will be a small handful of players nationally that could get very lucrative deals with major corporations? I think it's possible. Do I think that's going to be the norm? No, I don't. Um, Do I think this will bring will, will this puff the underbelly of college football as to basically guys getting money to show up and go play somewhere? Yeah, I do. That's why Governor Kay Ivey in Alabama made it a federal offense for you to basically accept a deal just to go play somewhere. Um, but I think i are going to be able to make money. I think there's going to be some positives. Managing it is going to be a nightmare. It's huh. just too much. There's too many kids. There's too many ways to make money. There's too many things. You know, if, if I go down to, you know, Royal Buick GMC and they say, we'll give you an extra $2,000 off your car. All you got to do is shoot out a tweet, boom, shoot out the tweet. I get $2,000 off the car. Am I reporting that? Am I telling people about that? Am I being taxed on that? That's a I mess. Mean, that's, that's a that part of it's going to be a mess. and going to be a nightmare. But is it going to ruin college football? No. Is it going to be more headaches to deal with? Yes. Um, I think the coaches that manage this and undersell this, most likely to an extent, or at least just manage the expectations, are going to do a lot better because you guys probably know the coaches like I do that are going to inflate these expectations. And that's going to get out of whack in a hurry because kids are going to come in and say, where's my $5,000 barbecue joint deal? And where's my $10,000 pizza joint deal? You told me I had that portal gone. And then there's going to be guys that get it and still go to the portal. And the company's going to be like, wait a second. We don't care if he's playing uh, five States away. We only have a restaurant here, or we only have a dealership here. So yeah, there'll be complications. It'll work itself out. Smart people with money are not going to go to these kids and just say, you know, start Kenny powers and cash off to these kids saying, take it. You know, we're just glad to have you. They're going to wait and see sort of how the thing works out. But, you know, I I also think when you talk about the sec, the thing that people forget to bring up is those brands are very powerful. And it's the part that people just for some reason don't want to bring up the power of the platform provided being a big time college football player can do more for you than get some barbecue deal or get a new set of tires on your car or get some speakers in your trunk, whatever it is, it's going to set you up the rest of your life. I mean, I I tell people all the time, every dime that I've made in my professional life is because I played football at Auburn and the SEC and I graduated from Auburn. I mean, and that wasn't intentional on Auburn's part. It just so happened to be that I was able to network that way and able to turn that into other things. But everybody who's given me an opportunity There was something about that because I played or went to Auburn that had to do with it. It's just the reality of it. And there are people that will tell you that at Bama and Georgia and Florida and South Carolina and Clemson and Oklahoma and Nebraska. It's like that everywhere. So you have to include the power of those brands when you're talking about some of these things. That AU on the helmet is valuable. Duke on the front of your basketball jersey, that's very valuable. You know, LSU baseball uniform, that's valuable. Um, so there are some of those out there that I just don't think that they like to bring that up and make that correlation that, yeah, they're going to have inherited advantages because they're at those schools, because they're wearing that uniform, and people just want to throw that out. You, you know, People say, well, Trevor Lawrence lost $13 million. We don't know what he lost. He might have been terrible in the first commercial he did. He might not have wanted to cut commercials. And by the way, if it didn't have anything to do with him being at Clemson, if Trevor Lawrence was at Wofford, is he getting $13 million in deals? No. He's not. So there, there's power with those brands, and the SEC has the most powerful brands, so obviously more kids are going to be able to make more money.
0: Go ahead, Brian. I, Cole, I got a
2: question. that
3: – sorry. Uh, Christian, go ahead,
2: man. Sure. All right. Um. Obviously, Cole, you played in the SEC at Auburn, and you know the importance of having fans in the stadium. Um, how excited are you to see fans in the stadium this year? I know I'm very excited and just have college football, just have it back again.
1: Oh, absolutely thrilled. I was at, I had that Memphis Arkansas State game. I think there was, I mean, God, was there 1,500 they allowed in, 3,000 they allowed in? And, I mean, it just, it didn't even feel like a practice. Um, right. I was at Iowa State where they allowed family and friends only. Um, And then, you know, I got to see other stadiums with 14,000, 20%, 30%, 19,000. It never felt normal. Um, Now, some schools did a good job of spacing people out to where the stadium actually felt somewhat full. But the noise, the energy, the passion just wasn't the same. And the weirdest part about it, I tell people, they ask me what was different last year, because I've traveled 19 out of 20 weeks last year. And I was in a lot of different stadiums. And the biggest difference was the ride to the stadium. and You know, going down College and College Street in Auburn and not seeing any tents and no RVs on the way into the stadium. Nobody walking down the sidewalks. Um, You know, nobody tailgating on your way in. Going into Baton Rouge and not seeing many people in that parking lot. Not smelling all the foods and seeing the people with their face painted. Uh, You know, I, I stayed at the hotel on campus right there in Tuscaloosa for the Kentucky game. I walked two hours before kickoff. I walked two blocks to the stadium. I did not pass a human being out on the street. Not one, zero, until I got outside the stadium. That was the weirdest part about going to games. Man, I did a game in Lexington, and I pull up and literally park in the front row of the parking lot next to the stadium, and there's no one out there. There, I I don't see anyone walking around. All I saw were the people managing the gates. So that was the part that was the most disappointing to me, because I know what that usually looks like. I know what that scene normally is, and we didn't get any of that this year. So yeah, having fans back in the stands is going to be cool but it's the entire atmosphere around the stadium that I'm excited to get back as well. You're I'm going to I'm gonna give you guys a fair mm-hmm. warning. My battery is on like that much red right now. So just. Oh, FYI, you're good, man. We're, we're actually, I, we're actually getting out, ready to wrap it up.
0: up man. You. No, you're good. We're actually wrapping it up now. Uh, thank you to everybody watching four star sports show, uh, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, everything. Cole, Kubilek, you have done an amazing job tonight with us. Thank you very much for coming on with us, sir. We hope to have you back on again.
1: Anytime, guys. I appreciate you having me.